It's time to lead the people. The show for aspiring leaders at every level. If you want to boost your self-confidence, get noticed, and maximize your impact by leading others, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Matt Pepsel. Ready to lead? Follow me. Everybody desires to appear to have busyness in their life. Even the guy who's sitting on Netflix for eight hours a day believes he's busy doing something. Everybody wants to say that they're busy. Most people confuse busyness with actual purpose. That was Kimberly Spencer. Kimberly is a high-performance, trauma-informed coach and trainer. She's an Amazon best-selling co-author, an international motivational speaker, and the founder of crownyourself.com. In our conversation, Kimberly and I covered so much ground. We talked about the most common self-limiting behaviors that hold back inexperienced and experienced leaders. We also talked about the critical characteristic of true productivity. I really took a lot out of this conversation, and I know you're going to as well. Let's listen in. Well, Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I'm super excited to dive into this with you. Your story resonated with me. I am a classic goal setter. Never met a big goal I didn't love. Uh, also as a leader, but you're also a big personality. I can tell. I, I just love it. So thanks again for being here. I think one of the most compelling things that I learned about your background is you have this period of your life where you go, you were going through and having high achievement in a variety of different domains, but at the same time, you were experiencing what you referred to as self-sabotage. What was going on there? Well, I think it's a lot of times we're told it's new level, new devils. And for me, I've never experienced that to be true. And honestly, in five years of coaching, I've, I've never experienced that to be true with a client. Typically it's same devil, new level. So it, the devils that I had, especially around self-sabotage were showing up just in different forms. So the devils of not feeling like I was enough, not feeling worthy, not feeling um, like I could use my voice, not feeling like I had to change myself in order to be loved. Those were all devils that I dealt with, with my body image issues and through a 10 year battle with bulimia, which then as I healed that in my body, they started to show up in my relationships and in the, in the choices that I was making in, in who I was choosing as a partner at the time. And then as I started to heal that in relationships, they showed up again in my business and in my financial area. So it was the same devil that kind of kept coming up around these deeper seated subconscious beliefs around not being enough, not being worthy, not being deserving, and really having to examine how did those play out and what were the strategies that I used to get through them in a different form and how could I apply those to a different form to the form of business or to the form of my relationships. Interesting. So that's very compelling for me too. I, I think that is that common in your work with leaders that you see that it's kind of the, the same devil, as you mentioned, that shows up in, in multiple different ways versus new devils, new levels? Very frequently, especially the devil of control, of needing to control everything. Um, the devil of certain repeated bad habits or like somehow something will come back from their past, a health issue or a, a thing. And it's just at that moment where they're so close to shifting at their story that it all, it comes in in that, in that very similar moment. And sometimes they work through it the easy way and, and bypass that sort of temptation to go back to those old patterns. And sometimes we got to work through it the harder way, which 
means you give into that older pattern and then we figure out how to find a new solution from that pattern and how to maybe make sure that that doesn't happen again. I'm loving this conversation. It's one of my favorite things to do when I meet new people for the first time is have them tell me their life story, basically. And I look for those themes, those patterns like you're talking about. Now with a brand new contact and, and first time you've met somebody, it tends to be the positives, the way they were able to, to break through, overcome something, whatever it might be, some strength, something that, that recurs as a theme. But as you start to work with people longer or uh, people who are on your team, you do start to see some of those, those gotchas uh, yep. emerge and you can recognize them a little bit better. Yeah. And you start to, you start to see the reoccurring themes of, of just how powerful we are in creating our own circumstances that we're comfortable with. Like it, it really is a testament to the power of our identity and why our identity of who we perceive ourselves to be is really the thermostat that's navigating the temperature of the room in whatever room we're trying to get into and why we sometimes will default to a cooler or a warmer temperature that may not be as strenuous as that one that maybe is where we want to go. Like we all may want to go to Hawaii, but not everybody wants to stay in that warm, luxurious, dreamy climate. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out how to re-regulate your identity, your internal thermostat for what you are available for so that you keep leveling up those expectations of yourself and you keep leveling up the level of fulfillment that you have in your life. Maybe I can run by you two different situations that I find that leaders are often in. One is early career leaders tend to either be ready for a leadership position. Maybe they're high performing individual contributors that want to take that first step. What are some, let's start with them for a second. What's some advice you'd have about finding and tapping into that power, getting that temperature right for early career leaders? For early career leaders, it really is the number one thing that stops them is self-doubt. And the number one thing that doubt creates is delay. And so the swifter you can be at speeding up your decision-making, the faster you're going to move through that earlier period. Because when you have, when you delay on making a decision, it then allows for that insidious interloper of doubt to creep in. And then it's there. And then that gap gets wider and wider and wider between you actually doing the thing and deciding. And it gets harder to make. It gets to be a bigger leap. Where instead, if you speed up your decision making, and a lot of times we slow down our decision making because we're scared of making the wrong answer. We're scared of taking the wrong path. We're scared of not having enough information at our fingertips that we need to be able to navigate that next decision. And I always like to say, I always ask my clients this, especially when they're in the formative stages of their business and in leadership. When you have learned the most, was it from a book or from school or from college or from experience. Hands down, every time it's experience. Because experience gives you actual data. Everything else is just imaginative data. It's the what ifs, it's the this is a possibility, it's oh, this could happen, oh, this may happen. Well, you don't know unless something actually happens. So the decision in itself gives you the data to make the next informed decision. So speeding up your, your, the, the speed of, in which you make decisions will speed up the amount of data and experience, which then builds your confidence, which then makes doubt not so pervasive into your, into your progress. 
I love that advice because a lot of times for early career leaders, the decisions you're making are survivable. You know, this is your chance to really learn about how to make decisions and how to be bold and take action and and cut down that delay like you're talking about. So you don't have to worry about like you're going to break the company. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. But, you're, you know, what you're learning could really serve you later on, which kind of brings me to my second kind of group of leaders. Somebody you probably have a lot of experience with, too, is when a leader hits a plateau. So maybe they've had some experience, they had some success, but just not getting the results that they had had, had experienced before, perhaps. What, uh, what can a leader do to, to kind of get unstuck? Perspective. Hmm. In that space, it's definitely ga- gaining perspective. So whether that's a coach, a mentor, a mastermind, what happens when people tend to get stuck, especially in a more advanced leadership where they've grown to the point where they, they don't know, they, they, they know enough, but they also know enough to know that they don't know everything and they're seeing some blind spots having a coach or a mentor, someone on your sidelines who can see all the players in the playing field, getting that perspective will allow you to widen your awareness as to what decisions are available to you. Because sometimes, especially for established leaders, they get stuck in a pattern of familiar decision-making. And sometimes what's required is actually innovative decision-making and being able to innovate. And it can be a small, tiny little perspective shift like, hire this team member or bring or, or, or shift this strategy in your finances or shift this in your leadership. Um, and, and it can be that, but that can be a hundred thousand million dollar perspective shift. Hmm. It's almost like in the beginning, when we talk about the early career leaders, they're outside of their comfort zone to make decisions more quickly and, and be more bold. But the comfort zone can be sort of a dangerous thing because it can lead you to a plateau. It's almost like learn to become comfortable being just slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. And and the beautiful thing, though, is once you're at that plateau, then there's another then there's another set of learning to be had. And that, that's kind of always the case. It's always the the pattern is that you grow and then you kind of get comfortable in that space of growth and then you grow again. Right. And, and something I think that you've learned and, and now that you uh, espouse for, for leaders, it sounds like at every level is, is power of choice. You talk a lot about power of choice. What is that? Oh, that is my favorite thing on the planet. That is my favorite thing. It's ownership because it's conscious ownership of your choices. Most of the world lives in the have tos. I have to do this for my job. I have to do this for my family. I have to do this. The power comes in really owning that conscious choice of like, I am choosing to be here in this moment with you right now. Like I am choosing to be in this space. I, and, if, and if that choice isn't giving you the feedback or isn't giving you the vibe or the feeling or the experience that you would like, what choice do you need to do to change it? Do you need to change something within yourself? Do you need to maybe br- choose to bring more joy instead of being like, flustered and frustrated? Do you need to make an external choice? Do you need to choose who you're spending your time with? Do you need to choose to examine your schedule? Like with more established leaders, one of the things that I I see is they start giving their power away to, to meetings, to endless meetings. And it's, oh, I have no control over my schedule. I'm like, who is the CEO? I don't care how big your company is. Who is the CEO? And 
being able to navigate them back to that power of choice. Like they are choosing to be in that meeting. If that meeting is not producing the results or isn't as effective as they would like it to be, how can you optimize the meeting to being more effective? How can you shift the culture so that you don't maybe need so many meetings? Or how can you shift yourself so that you show up with joy, gratitude, excitement for that, for that meeting? It, it really comes down to that power of choice and owning it and having it be a get to rather than a have to. And the language that we speak to ourselves around the choices that we're consciously making is super, super powerful of, of the, the get to's versus the have to's. Because when you get to do something, that means you're choosing into doing that thing. That means you take ownership of doing that thing. So for example, I had one of my clients, she came to me and she really just wanted a break. She was just exhausted. She was tired and she was like, she wanted a break, but she wanted to focus on working out and her body was just not allowed. It just, it needed rest. And she found herself wanting to sleep in, but then she would put herself on a guilt trip for sleeping in, for taking that rest, for not doing anything. A lot of my clients are very active doers. So even in their rest period, it's like, we're going to do the massages. We're going to do the gym. We're going to do that. We're going to do the training. We're going to do the nutritionist. We're going to eat really healthy. So instead I said, choose, consciously choose in the morning when your alarm goes off and you don't feel like waking up, at least make it a conscious choice so that you're choosing to sleep in. You're choosing to hit the snooze button. I call it for me, I call it queen time. Like I used to be a very big, like wake up early in the morning, 5 a.m. or, and now being pregnant, I'm like, I really enjoy hitting the snooze button a couple times and just enjoying those like luxurious moments to lie in my bed. But I'm consciously choosing it because when you consciously choose it, you no longer allow for guilt and shame to be in the arena of that choice. I know that I'm making this choice. I also am aware of the consequences of that choice. The consequence means that I'm not going to be going to the gym until later this afternoon. The consequence means that there are certain ramifications to every choice that we make. There are certain results that get produced. You get to determine through the power of conscious choice, do you like the results that you're getting? If you don't like the results that you're getting, then make a new choice. Makes total sense. I, I Just connecting the dots. So we started off talking about the uh, uh, kind of new levels, same devils. And yeah, you, you had provided some advice that perspective is sometimes what leaders need. And when you move something, a behavior that you're kind of automatic, or maybe it's subconscious, and you move it into the realm of conscious choice, now you may make the same uh, action or take the same behavior. But if it, as long as it comes from a conscious place, then it, it might be yeah. okay. But more often than not, it's probably like, oh, you know what, I have let my calendar get away from me, or I have said yes to too many projects for some other reason other than what really drives me. Uh, that, that's pretty cool how that works. Yeah. And so it always circles back to that power of, of choice. Like I see so, and, and really looking at blame, like so often we can unconsciously get into this pattern of blame, blame the meetings, blame the project, blame the children, blame the husband, blame the partner, blame, you know, oh, if my partner wasn't working me so hard or, oh, if my, if I didn't have so many clients, blame the clients. When you look at where are you blaming, that's where you'll see that you are, you are giving away your power of conscious choice and you are defaulting to 
to blame, which doesn't actually put you in a position to change anything. So if you want to enact change, then you have to look, examine it as to where you're, you're placing blame and then move forward from there. It's pretty amazing. I, I know some pretty powerful leaders who can appear powerless when it comes to things like the shoulds or like the calendar. It's so easy to, you know, to um, tip to something that, that you feel like this is either something I have to do or, or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to, it, it's very much default too. like blame is not, it's not something that is bad. It's just something that needs to be questioned. It's something that when you notice it showing up in your world, recognize it and you can choose differently or you can choose to blame, but recognize that either way you're making a choice. And what is, what are the results that blame creates? It generates resentment. It generates um, dissatisfaction. It generates lack of fulfillment. And you stack that up over a long enough period. Eventually you get to the point where you're blaming the spouse or you're blaming the kids or you're blaming the business partner, you're blaming the meetings and you don't like where your life is at. Mm. So blame really stacks up. So examining and curtailing it as quickly as possible so that you don't five years from now, 10 years from now, turn around and say, what happened to my life? It's like our conversation has really evolved around this, this dichotomy of high achievement, but at the same time, self-sabotage or powerful people who are acting in a powerless way when it comes to being driven by blame. And it brings me to another phrase of yours that uh, I really, it is a dichotomy in and of itself, and I love it productive procrastination. It sounds good being productive, but at the same time, it's, it doesn't sound like it's so great if the procrastination is sort of what's going on there. What's that all about? Yeah. Well, productive procrastination is really busyness in spite of purpose. So I learned early on, early on in my career, I started out as a Pilates instructor. And the beautiful thing about that experience was I was training hundreds upon hundreds of bodies every day. And experiencing different ways of seeing the world through so many different clients' eyes every day, day in and day out for four years. And in that experience, I remember I had two clients, one who was a very powerful attorney. She was a mom of three. She was like a rock star. She was an educator as well. And she would come in at her 9 p.m. appointments, pregnant with her third child, not complaining at all, not just walk in with the smile and she would get ready and like be ready to do the work. And we would do the work. And I, I would ask her like, what is your, like, you obviously have a lot on your plate. And yet I've never heard her complain about how busy she was. Contrastingly, at the same time, I was also working with a client who was a a uh, divorced woman. She was fully supported by her ex-husband. Her two children had their own Mercedes. They had their own cars. They were, could drive themselves to school. And she was the most stressed out human I'd ever met in my entire life. Like to this day, her body held on to stress. And I still remember like that it was just locked and inflexible. And it was in that moment that I realized that so, everybody desires to appear, to have busyness in their life. No one wants, even the guy who's sitting on Netflix for eight hours a day believes he's busy doing something. 
everybody wants to say that they're busy. Most people confuse busyness with actual purpose. And purpose, I found, is directly tied with those acts of courage, doing those things that may seem challenging, doing those things that require challenge, um, that require uh, you to step into the arena beyond your comfort zone. And so when we're stuck in the space of productive procrastination, typically it's when we're doing all the things except for the one or two things that really require us to have courage, that really require us to lean in. So those things can be different for every human. Like one of my clients, the thing that required him to have courage was instead of working a 20 hour day, it was taking a nap. It was taking a nap and trusting that work would get done and that he could actually not be working in his business and could rest and trust that his team was, was going to take care of it. For every person, it's different. But deep down, you know what that thing is that you're not doing when your head hits the pillow at night. Like deep down, you know, when you've spent the day spinning your wheels, when you lie down in bed and you're kind of kept awake and you're stimulated and you're not really taking action on doing those things. I think there's just so many avenues for consuming our time and attention. You know, you can get absorbed into social media or an endless uh, set of to-dos at work. You could spend hours, hours and hours beyond just normal working hours and still not fully be caught up. Uh, but I think what you're getting at too, Kimberly, is when you start looking at comfort, and when we, I, I think that there's so much messaging we're bombarded with trying to, you know, encourage us to be comfortable or do this or, or, or whatever it might be. And, and in many cases, we get so comfortable that, that we're miserable, right? And so we go out of our way to try to find out what can I do to push myself outside of that comfort zone. I love the examples that you gave. A lot of times when you, when you know that something's really important and you push yourself outside of that comfort zone and you're, it's going to be uncomfortable, that's where the real results, you know, can happen. <sighs> Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from The Greatest Showman, which is one of my favorite movies on the planet. And it is comfort, the enemy of progress. Mm -hmm. I can totally Because comfort, we all desire comfort, but we desire comfort from a space of fulfillment. I think sometimes that the wording is intermixed. Like most of my clients come to me because they desire greater freedom and ease in their business. The perception of comfort right? We have this perception that greater freedom, greater ease in our business is going to make us feel more comfortable. But in order to achieve that, there are certain courageous actions that will make you uncomfortable, like saying no, like having boundaries, like say, like choosing to spend time with your children instead of working all day. Like that's where conscious choice comes down is into choosing the lifestyle that you desire to have and then having your business or your career support that lifestyle. And so often, especially with my American customers and clients, there is a perception around like living to work versus working to live. And that's one of the reasons why I love living in Australia, because there's just a different culture around work here. Um, where it really is working to, to live and to have a full and fulfilled life. And it's not all about the work, but a lot of times with many of my American clients and with myself as well, like fully own it. It, it, it is that space of that hard work ethic. And we think it's supposed to be hard. So we strive for comfort, the perception that we're going to have comfort 
but sometimes we're too comfortable in the hard work. And so we create situations and experiences and work to be harder than it actually is. I can totally see that, you know, you get comfortable, you get used to it. You're, you're doing the things. It's always easier to say yes to a meeting than say no in some cases. And you end up on that, on that tread, treadmill, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, you can also trade the word comfort for familiarity. Like, and you see this with, with it's, it's one of uh, the Trojan horses of every belief is we all want to be safe. We all want to be familiar with our circumstances. And so that comfort is really that safety in what we, what we have safety in the programming that we've experienced. So this is why in relationships, like you look at domestic abuse survivors and you're like, why did you stay in that relationship for so long? Well, they learned how to survive it. So our brains are wired to survive. They're not necessarily wired to thrive unless we actively consciously program them to. So it's, it's sort of that better the devil, you know, than the devil you don't. And that's why it's not really new level, new devils. It's new level, same devils. Right. Is that, so we'll connect the dots again. So we go back to the greatest showman. And, and if comfort is the enemy of progress with our early career leaders, they were comfortable by delaying a decision. Let me just get some more information. You know, that, yep. that's, that's comfortable. Research rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The old research Follow rabbit hole. Google. And then for the more experienced leaders, like I'm most comfortable doing what I've been doing for a long time and having success with and needing that perspective and needing to make a conscious choice. But, you know, and, and I'll get you out on this one. When you think about choice, I think there's tremendous power in it. You, you mentioned the power of choice because we can always make a choice. We can always choose to change and, and get out of that comfort zone and do something aligned with that purpose. If you got one or two tips that would help us, you know, have the, the, the wherewithal to make that choice. Just giving yourself the freedom to question, like to allow yourself to experience life with curiosity and questioning instead of accepting that this is just how it is. And this is just how it's going to be. And so this is just how it's going to be forever. Um, one of my least favorite phrases on the plant planet is this is just who I am. Like, yes, it is. And you can change that should you desire to. So being able to question, is this who I want to be? Like, would I be satisfied? Would I feel like I lived a very fulfilled, purposeful life if this is just who I am today? If this is just how my life was? And if the answer is yes, then like rock on, keep doing, keep doing your, your awesome self. But if it's no, then allow yourself to question what needs to change. What do I need to change? Not what, what around me, not who needs to change, not do I need to change my job or do I need to change my, you know, partner or do I need to leave my, my spouse or do I need to, you know, just change my kids and force them to change? What do I need to do to change? And then asking that question, get, allowing yourself to get curious, allowing yourself to examine the triggers. Okay. When do I feel blame? I'm feeling blame and resentment when I do X, Y, and Z at my job. Okay. Is this something that maybe I could delegate? Is this something that maybe I could surrender the control for? Is this even necessary to be done? Um, that those are all questions, but the curiosity and questioning will allow you to shake the frame. I love it. I love the themes of our conversations today from choice and curiosity and moving out of comfort towards something that's truly meaningful and just taking on that perspective. It, it, it's been great. It's been great.
Kimberly, Thank where can my listeners go to learn more about you and, and connect with you? Yeah, you can go to crownyourself.com. That is the hub of everything. If you like podcasts like this one, then check out The Princess and the Bee on all the bees from babies, bank accounts, boys, businesses, belief systems that help you become the queen or the sovereign of your life. And check out us on Queen TV at Crown Yourself on YouTube. I love it so much. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It has been a pleasure and a joy to have a conversation with you. Here are my top three takeaways from today's lesson. One, pick up the pace. Early career leaders often delay when making decisions. This can hold you back. Of course, you'll experience self-doubt. We all do. But as a leader, all eyes are on you to be decisive when it counts. Two, expand your perspective. Experienced leaders need to look at situations and their own capabilities from a broader vantage point in order to break through a performance plateau. Three, don't confuse busyness with business. If you want to move beyond frenetic activity toward delivering results that matter, you got to be clear about your purpose. You have to do the uncomfortable things that you know you ought to do in order to maximize your impact. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making this investment your leadership ability, and thanks for sharing this podcast with another aspiring leader who needs to hear it. All right, leaders, until next time, don't just manage the business when you can lead the people. Now, I, I did see on your website that your favorite color is glitter. How is that? How is that a thing? How is it not a thing? <laughs>